Hello, and welcome to our Biblical Education Series here at One Fellowship Church in Waco, Texas. You can find this series and others from our Biblical Education Program available online at onefellowshipumc.org and on the One Fellowship Church podcast. This evening, we are pleased to welcome Rev. Spike Burt, who is leading us through this six-part series on the book of Ephesians. Rev. Burt studied at Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama, and currently works at McLennan Community College. This recording has been abbreviated for online distribution. Hey, how are you today? How are you? Great, great. That is for you to keep. Please take it home. Bring it back, obviously. Keep it. Uh, so we are looking at the book of Ephesians. Last week we did uh, kind of the introduction. And so key things that we covered is author. Who's the author of Ephesians? Paul. 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 Okay. We learned some cool stuff about Paul. He was an apostle. Uh, before he was an apostle, he was not that good of a dude. He killed people uh, for the church. Um, he really prided himself on before he met Jesus. His hope was really in his identity as a Jewish man. So he was Jewish by blood. So that was Paul's identity was, I'm, I'm pure Jewish, I'm the man, I'm educated. Paul was the man. Okay? Uh, he meets Jesus, all that changes, and he says later on in one of his letters, he's like, all that was garbage compared to knowing Jesus. Um, all right, who is Paul writing to? Ephesus. Who is he writing to? He's writing to the city of Ephesus. And in Ephesus, you have a mixture of people, both Jews and Gentiles. And we talked last week how their, their culture was heavily influenced by a couple of things that were kind of odd. Did anybody remember any of the odd stuff we talked about last week? Was it a thing? Uh, yeah. So they worshipped the god of Ar- god Artemis, and that really heavily influenced their culture. Um, and so not only did, were people making money off of Artemis, um, they were literally terrified that if you didn't worship her, she was going to smite you. Um, and that was a prevalent thought in that time period. Um, whether or not you want to say it was just superstition, it doesn't matter. These people were spending time and money and energy trying not to get smited by Artemis. Um, the other thing we talked about was really, really weird. We're going to talk about it again today. Anybody remember yeah, all that weird magic stuff, right? So in Ephesus, these people um, were going to what we would call like a voodoo priest to get this little inscription that would protect them from evil spirits. And, and this was extremely prevalent in the culture of Ephesus. And so Paul is going to address that fear constantly. Now, before they met Jesus, their hope was in do what needs to get done not to get smited, basically, right? I don't want to get messed up by demons. I don't want to get messed up by Rome. I don't want to get messed up by Artemis. I just want to exist and be happy. Well, after they meet Jesus, all that changes, and all of a sudden they find out that their hope is in Jesus. We talked about the hope of the gospel, and we're going to talk about that again. Now, what was the reason for the letter? Anybody remember? What was Paul's purpose in writing this thing? Why did he write this? Give hope. To give hope, right? We talked about how these people were kind of like the nerd in high school that weren't doing too hot. And so Paul writes to encourage them. Okay, He's going to remind them of their hope. Um, key themes. Do you remember any key themes in the book? Quick overview. Key, key themes in the book. Anything you remember from last week? 
power of God over evil forces. Okay, power of God. You had the key theme of grace, key theme of mercy, key theme of uh, peace, all these key themes. Now, this week we're going to look at uh, basically the rest of chapter 1. So last week we laid the introduction down. And we talked about his whole overarching theme in the book of Ephesians is the concept of hope. Today we're going to look at a realized hope. So Paul talks about how, as a Christian, the hope of the gospel is not just a hope that begins when we die. That hope is a reality. When we die, if we're a Christian, we do have the hope of going to heaven and spending eternity with God in glory land. However... The blessings that begin, or the, 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 the blessings that happen to us when we die, begin today when we live. And so Paul is going to spend a whole lot of time focusing our attention on what some of those blessings are. Now what's really cool about this passage today is in this passage Paul is going to mention these blessings, and we'll talk about them in a second. And for each one, let's say there's five blessings. You can see each blessing in all the different chapters of Ephesians. So these are, he, he's, he's kind of laying out what he's going to talk about in the letter. Now, um, let's talk about one more thing, and then we will get into our text, and then we'll get into um, all this kind of cool stuff. Paul, <coughs> in this letter, there's something that's very important. Um, and that is called a realized eschatology. And that's basically what I just said. So that what happens at the end starts now. Okay? Very, very important. Uh, last week I gave the very odd illustration of you're stuck in a desert and you have a sign there. Remember that? Anybody remember that weird illustration I gave? Right? Okay? If you're stuck in the desert and you're about to die and you come across a sign and it says, hey, don't worry about it, bro. In a couple hours you'll be dead. And you're not going to worry about it anymore. Now, okay, that is a hope in some sense that you got the hope of glory. But if you're a person that's trying to live, that you have things to live for, that ain't that kind of a hope. A much better hope would have been for the sign to say, hey, bro, walk 200 yards that way. There's a 7-Eleven, and they'll hook you up. Okay? So Paul is going to talk about how we have a realized hope that begins now. So... Let's jump into the text, and then we'll talk about the text, and then we'll discuss it. So, um, will some of you read verses 3 through uh, 14? This is uh, page 8. Oh, yeah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we that we should we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time 
to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been <coughs> predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Thank you very much. Verse 15 through 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in, the age, in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, Paul, in this section, in, in the chapter 1, in the end of chapter well, in this section of chapter 1, he does two things here. The, the first thing he does is he lists out uh, a prayer on be recognizing the things that God has done. And so he begins with this word blessing. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this passage, in verses 1 through 14, if you, have a, if you actually have a pen, you can actually go through and circle anytime you see the words in him, in the beloved, um, all these places. Um, just look at this. Even as he chose us, in him, verse 4. Uh, in love, he predestined us. Uh, verse 7, in him, um, in all wisdom, in, in him, verse 11. Verse 13, in him. So Paul is, is clarifying and qualifying who these blessings belong to. So the blessings of God that he's going to talk about in this passage, which we're going to break down for you really quickly, belong to those who are in Christ. Now, if you'll flip your page, I got a little diagram there, but I'm going to do it up here for you as well. Um, there are, and I'm going to need Nick up here. Come on, Nick. You can stand over there. All right. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Nick, but you're, the, uh, you're out of price. Oh, Okay. When God looks upon humanity, he sees two categories of people. And this is called a position. This is a spiritual position. Now, a position is simply a state of being. According to Paul's theology, you are either in Christ, or you are out of Christ. That's Nick. Now, we find all throughout the Bible references to this, all throughout the New Testament. If you are in Christ, John 15 tells us that you are connected to the vine. If you are out of Christ, are you connected to the vine? No. 
You're cut off from the vine. Now, you are a child of God if you're in Christ. Not a child of God. Sorry, Nick. We have all these descriptive places where it talks about what it means to be in Christ. Now, how does a person go from Nick being out of Christ, under the wrath of God, to in Christ? How does that happen? Repentant. Repentant. So last week we talked about this word called the gospel. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. The gospel is the message that God desires to take people from out of Christ to in Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. And so the gospel story includes repentance. Thank you, Nick. You can sit down. All right. Now. When you are in Christ, Paul says that that is the foundation of our identity. Our identity in American culture, American culture, is often linked to who we think we are. It's often linked to what we'd like to do. It's often linked to um, race or sexuality or orientation or... um, even financial status. Uh, so I am a middle class white man. That's my identity. Give me a pumpkin spice latte. Hooray. Okay. That is not, according to Paul, what my identity is. As a Christian, our identity must be only one thing. In Christ. Okay. So my identity is not who I am. It is Whose I am. Okay? Now, as a Christian who is in Christ, for those who are in Christ, the blessings that we get while we, when we die and we go to heaven, they actually begin now. Okay? So, Paul lists out some of those blessings in these verses. The first thing he says in verses 4 and 5 is that God chose us. Now, this is a very hotly debated topic, which I really don't want to get into the full extent of, but just know that when Paul talks about this idea of election or that God chose us, what he is saying is that if you are a child of God, if you have surrendered to Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, it is 100% accurate for you to say that before I was born, God chose me to be his child. Now, this gets really muddy because people say, well, does that mean that God didn't choose this person and God didn't choose that person? That is not Paul's point in this letter. Paul is talking to a discouraged group of people. He is talking to that nerd in high school. And he's saying to that nerd in high school, you are on God's mind. You are, the world may look at you and tell you that you're nothing. Your friends and family may look at you and tell you that you're nothing. But what Paul says, if you're a Christian, God looks at you and says, you're a somebody. And who are you? You're a child of God. Okay? You are chosen to be a child of God. The next thing that Paul talks about 
is that he makes us holy. This is the concept of sanctification. That's a big word there. But it means that every single day, if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, God is at work inside of you, even despite you, making you more like Jesus. Now, some days that is a very painful process. Some days it's a really nice process. Some days you don't even know that it's happening. But it's guaranteed that every single day, God is doing something in your life, in your heart, to get you to the place where you want to be more like Jesus. Okay? Next one. He saved us. He redeemed us. This is a really easy one. How did God save us? By going to the cross. Okay? Now, if you're a discouraged person, and you just found out that God loved you so much that he thought about you before you were even born, and he chose you to be his child, and then you found out that God is at work in your life to make you more like Jesus, and then you found out and were reminded that God loved you so much that he died on the cross for you, how does that make you feel? Good. Man, it makes me want to shout up hallelujah. Because it means that God is for me, God is with me, God desires me, and the most beautiful thing about this whole thing is who does all this depend upon? Does it depend upon me? So let's say that I'm being a horrible Christian today. Do I lose all those things that are true of me that Paul said? No. No. It doesn't mean that at all. It means the exact opposite. That even in spite of me, God still chose me, still is making me holy, still redeemed me. Next, he says that he's revealed his mystery to us. And we're going to see this throughout the letter. And this basically means that both Jews and Gentiles were brought into one family. This is very, very important for the letter. Unity is extremely important. Um, He gave us his spirit. Thank God. What is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? What are some of the things the Holy Spirit is supposed to do? Comfort. Comfort. Guide. Guide. Convict. Teach. All those things. Okay? Now, the last thing that Paul talks about in, this, in, this verse, in these verses is the idea that we are God's inheritance. Now, it is true to say that we are both God's inheritance and that God has given us an inheritance. Now, let's talk about how God has given us inheritance because that's much easier. What does it mean to say that God has given us an inheritance? What is our inheritance as a Christian? When we go to heaven. When we go to heaven. Heaven is the inheritance that we have as a Christian because we are in Christ, because God has called fit to chose us and redeem us and save us and deliver us. We are now have the inheritance of heaven. But it is also true to say that we are God's inheritance, meaning that God has given all these things to us. Very important. Now, Paul finishes up this chapter in the second half, verses 15 through 23, by a prayer. And he prays these things. And this is found in verse, uh, chapter 10 here, or page 10. Paul asks, may, may you understand the things of God. Paul wants us to understand the things of God. He wants us to know the hope that we have in Jesus. He wants to know how awesome our inheritance is. And here's a big one. He wants us to know the power of God which overpowers death and all evil spirits. Now, 
This group of people was a discouraged group of people who were obsessed with this idea that they needed protection from evil forces and from pagan deities like Artemis. I want to actually read what Paul says about Jesus and his power, because this is pretty awesome. Look back at verse 19 and 20 and 21. Okay. This is page 8. Okay. Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So Paul is saying, I want you to know the awesomeness of his power. According to his, the working of his great might. So what kind of power? It's this kind of power. Verse 20. That God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, if you are seated next to God in heaven, that is a symbol of extreme power and authority. Yes. Verse 21. Far, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. So Paul paints this picture here of Jesus at the right hand of God. He's sitting down and underneath his feet are all worldly powers. Weren't they afraid of Artemis? Weren't they afraid of evil spirits? Where are those things? They're under the feet of Jesus. Jesus is kicking back on his lounge in glory. Is he worried about them things? No. Why not? He's the king. Now, if you're, an, if you're a person in Ephesus and you're hearing this and you're reading this, what does that do? Doesn't that change your mindset a little bit? It should. It should. Okay. Now, that is my really quick lecture. Let's jump into some discussion questions. Okay. Paul, this whole passage, so this is where please, please, please talk. This whole passage begins with the idea of blessing. When you yourself hear the word blessing, what comes to mind? Uh, his grace, his mercy, just not just a materialistic thing. Okay, so we have mercy, we have grace, we have hope, we have hope, forgiveness, we have forgiveness, peace. Okay, five maps. Okay, we have peace, we have financial, material. What else comes to mind? Wisdom. Wisdom. Okay. Yeah. Insight. Sure. Love. Love. Now, let's ask it this way. When 99% of church folks hear the word blessing, what comes to mind? Money. Money. Why? I <laughs> Why? Because we, need, because we don't need it. We, yeah, we got to have it, but... Because they think money is the rule of everything. Yes. Okay. How many of y'all have ever flipped through them TV channels and came across TVN? Some of y'all may watch TVN. Oh, yeah. Okay. Clefalo Dollar. What does Clefalo Dollar tell you? Oh, money, 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 money. Money, money, money. Money. <laughs> money. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So, and the whole idea is, if you want to be blessed by God, send me $5, and God is going to fill your storehouses. <laughs> he is going to bless you beyond your belief. Just give me $5. Now, when Tuffalo Dog, Joel, you know, all those folks, when they talk about blessing, what are they talking about? Money. Money. That's it. Money. Money, 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 money. Now, here is the sad reality, and I'm just going to jump into my closet here, so I'm going to open my closet door, Steve. When I often think about the blessings of God, these are not the things I think about. What does the spiker think about? Why? Why is that the thing I go back to? It's our culture. Our whole culture as an American culture is all about money. Money. We got, I got bills to pay. But you know yeah, I was going to say, we got bills to pay. Well, I think money is tangible. Where hope and peace and all of these things are things that, you know, you just can't pick up. You know, it's not like yeah. a or purse. You know, peace is something that's within. It's within. not something <coughs> from without. Right. And so I don't think God has a problem with you having blessing or blessing you financially. All of those things are temporary. Yeah. Go away, which is funny because it seems like they're so permanent here on this on this earth, but like <coughs> they're not. They're not eternal, you know. And so, um, in the Message Bible, it talks about um, in the in the B attitude, it talks about one of the things that money can't buy. And I think when you start falling out of love with stuff, so you I think know you, what I'm saying? you said something really important, <laughs> tangible. Okay. This is tangible. With this, I can go to Kristoff's and get me some of them amazing feta fries. If y'all haven't had it, my God. Okay? Them feta fries. They're delicious. Go right down there and try them out. They're delicious. The french fries with feta cheese, my Lord Jesus. Oh. Okay? Matt. Bring some next week. Don't tempt me now, girl. Uh, with this... I can go and buy new clothes or a new purse. Right. There ain't no debit card for peace. Mm -hmm. That's right. There ain't no debit card for grace. That's right. There ain't no debit card for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's just get real. Okay? Forgiveness. Is that easy? No. Heck no. Okay? Huge news story this week. The brother of the guy that got killed by the police officer. Right. Okay? Yeah. He goes and straight up forgives right. the lady that killed his brother. <clears throat> and then said something to her. Does anybody hear did anybody hear what she actually what he told her? He said he wish she wish he said, I wish you don't even go to jail. That's what he said. Right. Yeah. Man, and, and he said, he I wish you just know Jesus. Right, right. Like, are you are you kidding me? Are you, are you joking? Yeah. There ain't no debit card for that. Mm. Yeah. That cost him greatly. Right. And it's still costing him greatly. Right. The key witness, they got murdered. They murdered the key witness. They sure did. Yes. They sure did. The key witness to, to testify uh, against Amy oh, yeah, Johnson. The, yeah, they murdered him name. outside the court. They sure did. They got mad because the judge gave her a hood. And a Bible. Yeah. That judge is in but trouble. You know, that girl thirty-one years old. She said she had never had. She had never had a Bible. She said, "You think God will forgive me?" Yep. 
She said she never had a Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of people in the world like this. Hold up. That judge don't have a debit card of peace. Mm-hmm. But what she does have, and what you and I have, is a peace that transcends what? All understanding. So it may not be tangible, we may not be able to hold it, but we can sure enough experience it. One of the key things that you'll hear from me, teaching and preaching wise, is that the greatest blessing that God has to offer is not his stuff. The greatest blessing that God has to offer is not his stuff. It is him. The greatest blessing that God has to offer us is himself. Mm -hmm. We often, myself included, get so focused on, I need this, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I need this, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Lord, I need you to heal my friend. No, that's a great prayer. Don't stop praying for your friends. Keep praying for your friends. But if you ever look at your own prayer life, look how often you ask God for stuff versus just thanking Him for who He is. Now, in my prayer life, that's about, I thank Him for who He is about once for every 20,000 things I ask for. Okay? The greatest blessing that God has to offer is not His stuff, it's His person. Now, last week, we talked a whole lot about hope and why we need hope. Why does Paul call us to remember this hope? These believers had spent three years with Paul. They knew about how God chose them. They already knew that God was making them holy. Y'all already knew that. Some of y'all even knew that big word sanctification before. Y'all heard that before. Most Christians, I would reckon to say all of them, know already that God saved us. The whole mystery thing, that's a little bit different. We'll get into that chapter 3. Most of us know that God gave us a spirit. Most of us surely know that we have an inheritance. But why does Paul call us to remember it? We lose hope so easily. We lose hope. Why? Why do we lose hope so easily? Because things don't always go our way. Things don't go our way. Last week, y'all found out that I break it down to the real real quick. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you lose the freshness of Christianity? Mm -hmm. When Jesus becomes, that's just it. It's just standard. Now, that happens to every single one of us. Mm -hmm. You get saved. Now, if you got saved or late, I got saved when I was 15, so some of y'all may have been later than that. Do you remember when you first met Jesus? How excited you were. I remember the first time I read the Bible after I met Jesus. Now I had grown up in a Christian home. I had read the Bible before. Didn't make it like sense to me. But when I met Jesus, or when I would say when Jesus met me, I got home. I read the Gospel of John. I was in John chapter 3. Uh, John chapter, not 3. John, whatever it is, where he turned water into wine, too. <coughs> John chapter 2. Jesus turns water into wine. I mean, I straight up went to my friend and said, Dude, did you know? Did, did you know? Did you know that Jesus turned water into wine? 
And he was like, bro, where you been, man? <laughs> but I didn't care. I had known that, but, but I now knew that. And man, I was excited to tell everybody I knew that there was a dude named Jesus who loved this wretched sinner. I was excited. But now, it's become so accustomed to me. We often lose sight. Now, this is not supposed to be a time where I beat you up for forgetting. All of us forget. And that's why Paul says we need to remember. It's all about our focus. Where your focus is, is where you will go. Now, I don't know if I did this last week, but I'm going to do it again this week. So forgive me if I have. <laughs> you will walk in the direction that you're looking now. When we get done, y'all try this. If I have blinders on, did I do this last week? No. no. Okay, good. All right. If I have blinders on, I got my hands up for those who are listening online, covering my eyes like a horse, I got blinders on, and they're focused on directly in front of me. Now, and I'm trying to get to that podium right there. With blinders on, not a problem. Right? Now, what happens if the blinders are faced where my head is cocked to the right? And I still got to get to that podium. What's going to happen? Am I going to make it? Okay. Now, 100%, not lying, I was trying to get to that podium. And I was even trying to correct myself because I knew I had to get to that podium. But even trying to correct myself, what's happening? I'm going in the wrong direction. Because where our focus is, is where we're going to go. Paul says that as a Christian, our focus must remain on who? On Jesus. And our identity is really Him. So we are called to remember our hope. Now, let's break that down one more step. As a Christian, Paul said, Let's write these back down. Okay. Just in this passage alone, he chose us, which means we're special. He saved us, which means we have worth. He gave us his spirit, which means he's means business. He gave us inheritance. What are other blessings that God has given us in Christ? What are other things? Hope. Okay, well that's the hope. And all this kind of all this is our hope. This is why we have hope. This is this is the hope. This is we are in the desert and we come to a sign, and that sign means something. And it means something far more than just you're gonna die. It means hey, you can have life now. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to see how this, 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 and all the others can give us life and hope today. See, we don't want to remain where hope is just up here, up in the sky. If we're going to live the life that God has called us to live, that all of us struggle to live, our focus must remain on the hope that we have in Christ. And Paul says that that hope 
consists of these realities that can change how we live. Now, how can this idea, and this idea, and this idea, and this idea, how can that change how we live? It, um, it can motivate us. Motivation? What else? Encourage. Encourage. Uplift. Which is encourage. It's an idea to be able to get out of bed daily. Okay, so that's motivation. Absolutely. Yeah. It can sustain us. Sustain. Mm-hmm. How many of y'all have ever seen that old Disney movie, movie Cool Runnings? Yeah, that was the, so yeah, with the Jamaican bobsled bob yeah, team. Yeah. That was a pretty yeah. cool movie. Purpose. 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 Give you a purpose. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Now, that was cool. y'all seen that? Some of y'all seen that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I have. In that movie, some of you guys see it. It's, it's amazing. It's, a, it's literally about a team from Jamaica mm-hmm. that don't got no snow. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> they went to the Olympics for oh, bobsled. Oh, yes. For bobsled. Yes. Now, in that movie, it's about four characters, four guys. Mm -hmm. One of them reminds me a lot of an Ephesian, Ephesian believer. (laughs) Beat down, discouraged, has no hope, has no confidence whatsoever. Little small guy. And there's a scene where the big old dude, he's the guy that, he's he's the muscle of the team. Mm -hmm. He takes that little dude, he takes him in front of a mirror. Anybody remember this scene? Yeah. I wish I should have put it up on YouTube. <laughs> okay? It's old. It's old. But it's, it's old. Good. It's good. It's funny. Now, he looks at this young dude, and he says, okay, you look in that mirror. I have a terrible accent, so I'm not going to try. He look in the mirror. Okay, I'm looking in the mirror. He says, what do you see? I see, um, I see Edward Banks. I see, um, what? Why am I doing this? And the big guy says, no, sir. No, sir. That's not what I see. I see. I'm going to tell you what I see. I see one heck of a bomb shiggity amazing person who is the best bobsledder I've ever seen in my life. And you are the man. And he says, repeat that. And he makes the kid repeat it enough times until he believes it. It's amazing to see the change that takes place when this kid begins to believe in the identity that he actually has. As Christians, we often do not function out of our identity. And when we don't function out of our identity, we get all wackadoodle. Paul is telling us that these hopes these very real blessings can change our day-to-day life. Now, talk about a word that we don't like to talk about in church very much anymore. When we look at this, how does all this deal with our sin problem? I don't know about you, but my spirit's strong. My flesh ain't my flesh strong. How does this Deal with that. Sin problem. All of us have sin problem. Yeah. Is, is it possible 
that our identity in Christ can actually have an effect on that. Mm -hmm. There are times that I know what I'm about to do is sin, and I do not care. Amen. You're right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you said, Lord, forgive me before I even do it. Forgive me in advance. That's true. <laughs> what happens to the believer in that situation? You forgot your beliefs. <laughs> we Sometimes we know our beliefs, and we just don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you remember we began by talking about how these blessings are dependent upon who? God. Dependent upon God. Mm -hmm. Last week we talked about grace. And I said that grace is God's choice to continually love and accept you in Christ Jesus. Whose choice is it? God's. So is it dependent upon your ability to keep following God? No, not at all. Now, I'm not saying that obedience is not important. Obedience is absolutely essential. And in fact, Jesus says, if your life is characterized by unobedience, then you've got some major issues. You may not even be a follower of Jesus. Right. And that happened a lot in the Bible. You see people that they profess to know Jesus, right. but their fruit said differently. Mm -hmm. Now, at the very end of that chapter, chapter 1, Paul says, I pray that you would know the power of God. The power of God, where Jesus kicked up, he's over the demonic realm, he's over the, the spiritual, he's over, he's over Romans, he's over everybody. That power is at work in us, giving us the ability to say no to our desires. The Holy Spirit is inside of us, guiding us, teaching us, Whispering to us, sometimes if you're like me, hitting you in the head about the two by four. <laughs> and the Spirit of God is powerful to free us from the worst of things. Now, do not hear me say that that is easy. It is very hard. Some of us are wrapped up in sin so tight that it's going to take years of professional help to get free. That's okay. That's okay. You need to hear that. Everyone, everyone needs to hear that. It is true that as a Christian, your life can get real messy. Mm. Whether it's because of your own actions, somebody else's actions, whatever. It can get real messy. And God's okay with that mess. Because he loves us where he finds us, as Brian Manning often said. But the beautiful thing about God is he doesn't just keep us where he finds us. In the modern day church, there's a major heresy that's taking place. You have the whole health wealth thing. That's, that's awful. But I think this one's even worse. It's the idea that, hey man, Nick, I'm using an example again, I'm sorry. Nick, God loves you, brother. Man, you are the most messed up cracker I've ever seen in my life. Man, I cannot tell you how many problems you've had. But God loves you. Cool. There's no change whatsoever. Because the reality is that God loves you and accepts you where you're at. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He loves you too much to leave you there. He wants to take you to be with himself. Now, I want to give an illustration as I close out on this. This is about God's transforming love. <coughs> now, let's go back to old school here. 
How many of y'all, when you were kids, used to ride a bike in your neighborhood? Okay? You didn't have one? Some of y'all had one. Now, how many of y'all, when it rained, when you were a kid, would go get extra wet and dirty in hitting those mud piles with the bike? Anybody ever do that? You never did that? No. Okay. I used to do it all the time. Not too many girls. Let me ask you this question then, because I know you can answer this. Somebody tell me your favorite flavor of cake. Cake. Upside down. German chocolate. German chocolate. Upside down. We're gonna call it the upside down German chocolate cake. Now, when I was a kid, when it would rain, I would hit those puddles so hard. I would get home, and I would literally be covered, head to toe, in mud. My mother would catch me before I got in the house. She would make me strip down, buck naked. She'd hose me off before she would let me in the house. <laughs> now, let's imagine something really quick. Let's imagine that a month before the heaviest rainfall I'd ever seen, my mother got brand new white carpet Whoa. in the house. My mother tells me when it's installed, son, don't you dare mess up my brand new carpet. Now, a month goes by, I'm 10 years old. Do I remember what my mama said? No, no. Heck no. Because all I'm thinking about is it just drenched the most rain I've ever seen, and there are the biggest puddles that I could possibly ever ride through. As soon as I'm able to get on my bike, I get on my bike, and I hit every puddle I can find. And I am so excited to come home to show my mama just how messed up dirty I got. I get off my bike, mama ain't there. I run in the house. Oh my goodness. Uh oh. <laughs> Just at that moment, as I am in the middle of the floor, completely spoiling the brand new white carpet, my mom comes out of the kitchen door and she's holding an upside down German chocolate cake. <laughs> And she comes to me and says, son, I made this for you when you were out. I want you to have this. Do I deserve that? No. What do I deserve? No. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I got many of them. <laughs> but God's love and grace is so amazing that in the midst of being completely wretched, undeserving, caught in my transgressions, busted, God offers grace. But that's not where the story ends. Because God doesn't want to keep me in my mess. And that's the problem with American church right now. Is they say, hey, God loves you and just keep in your mess. No, no, no. See, God wants to pick me up he wants me to take a shower in the blood of Jesus and be washed white as snow. That's the love of God. And when we focus on the love of God and we remember the blessings that he has given to us as his children, it therefore enables us to live the life that Jesus desires us to live. 
how are we supposed to live? Like Him. This is why Ephesians is so essential. It's absolutely essential for us to remember our hope as a child of God. Remember our identity. Because it changes our focus away from all the garbage and back onto Jesus. And I can tell you from experience, it is extremely hard to choose sin when I have spent time that day with God. When I have spent time meditating on God, praying to God, focusing on God, thinking about God, it is much easier to say no to whatever that desire is when I'm focused on remembering who I am than it is when I'm not. So, my encouragement to you this week is remember who you are. Because whose you are is who you are. It's your identity. And those blessings focus on because they'll change your life. Next week, we are going to look at the foundation of our hope, and that is the gospel. So, read week three. We are going to start there next week. Very short verses. Lots of amazing stuff. And we're going to talk a whole lot about Jesus. Let's come back next week. Hello, my name is Lawrence, and I am a choir singer here at One Fellowship Church in Waco, Texas. Thank you for listening. You can learn more about our congregation online at onefellowshipumc.org. You can also like us on Facebook in order to stay up to date with the latest events and activities taking place in our community. Please feel free to share this message and others on social media so that more people can hear about what God is doing here at One Fellowship Church. Thank you and God bless.